When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let me see. I'm John Verhoeven, and I've worked as a cop. I was in forensics. I was in the air wing. World class. And I was a New South Wales firefighter. Top shelf. Have I... Have I left anything out? Nope, that's all I did. Oh, wait. When my dad and mum were exhausted from too much death, destruction and adventure after years in the emergency services, they did something totally normal. They decided to run a funeral home. In this season of Loose Units, you'll find out what it was like to grow up with parents who ran an actual funeral home, prepared bodies, dealt with grieving families, and who confronted death on a daily basis. It'll be harrowing, thrilling, and loose. Welcome to Loose Units Dead Serious. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Dead Serious. Every week, I sit down with my dad, John, and we talk through his jobs. Now, dad was a cop, and then he was in forensics, then he was a safety inspector, then he was in the fire brigade, and now, apparently, he was running a funeral home. Now, dad, last week, something really insane happened. You actually did an episode with me where we talked about this one specific, really intense day. A lot of people, when they have a bad day at work, you know, or a lot happens at work, you know, they... There's less bodies your specific day. So you were talking about one specific day last week that took place about six months into your career uh, as a funeral director. One of the things that's happened, Dad, is people have really become kind of enamored with this character from the last episode. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yes, I do, Paul. I do recall very well. In fact, I'm trying to erase the whole guy from my memory banks. Yeah, that's Because he continued to cause me trauma. Okay, so you're saying this is... Because we keep joking about the Loose Units TV show, which has actually been optioned. But one of the things I like about this whole... I don't want to say series of stories because it is your life. But one of the great things about all of this stuff that happened to you is there are recurring characters who are so deeply weird. And are you trying to tell me that the Anglican minister who... Rocked up at a Catholic funeral by mistake. Are you trying to tell me that this guy from last week's episode actually continued to play a part in your life? Regrettably, yes. Okay. Is he listening? Do you think he's listening? No, not a chance. He was, he's no technophile, I can assure you, as will become obvious in this how, latest... uh, how Could you describe him for me? While you were just chatting away then, I had what I would describe, to use a semi-religious term or turn of phrase, I had an epiphany. And that's like a minor religious experience. Mm. And he actually, and I cannot believe that it's taken all these years, probably because you've re-traumatized me, Paul, 
Oh, good, excellent. By by bringing this uh, this this guy, this <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, he was actually like Mr. Bean. He looked like Mr. Bean. Yep. He acted like Mr. Bean. Is in it other, possible? In other words, a total flip. Is it possible that he actually was Mr. Bean? Well, his proboscis was not so pronounced. That sounds like a bit of a the beginning of a tongue twister. Yeah. Okay, so he wasn't he wasn't unfortunately Mr. Bean, but I mean, now what's going to happen is people are going to go back and listen to the story from last week's episode and presumably this week's episode and just sort of picture Rowan Atkinson in a tweed suit, but he was an Anglican minister. Mm. Um, he had how a flowing old... a flowing white gown. He looked um he looked angelic. Mm. Uh, in a weird way, he had black hair. Yep. He was about five foot seven, mm-hmm. so of medium uh, medium height, and he was a slight build. And he lived by himself in a little wooden sort of an outhouse. How do you know that? Well, it was my job to know everything about all the various ministers because we used to call on them all the time. What do you mean everything? Well, not their proclivities. <laughs> There's a word for you, Paul. Yeah. When I was born, actually, my parents, my middle name was going to be Roger. What? After Roger's thesaurus. What? No, I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> I'm just saying that I, I have a few good words up, up my sleeve. Paragon. So, yep. So he... Verisimilitude. Paul. Syzygy. Paul, there are no prizes for second. So he, yep. he, and he, he was a sad guy. Um, I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that all minister, ministers of religion are sad, mm-hmm. but there was something about him. He had a certain um, melancholia, or is it melancholia? You know, for a guy who was bragging <laughs> about knowing words, you just sort of really stumbled there. But you're know, saying he was he, he was, was kind of bummed out. Is is do you think he was bummed out because people kept mistaking him for Mister Bean, or was this just an incident? That, that's possible. Mm. He certainly wasn't driving around in um, a McLaren F1. Well, in fact, in fact uh, prior to us commencing recording today, Paul, I said to you, and you always worry slightly when I do say what I'm about to say, but I did say, even though I said it before, was that I had a tiny little fun fact about him, and it's a rather sweet fun fact, mm-hmm. and it's sad, and it kind of sets the story up. You're not going to believe what I'm about to say. Okay. It's so, and it's not a major, incredible piece of information. But it sets the scene for a sad guy. Get ready for this. All the ministers, they it's their job to make their own way to the various locations, be it the crematorium or a cemetery, whatever. That makes sense. When that's fair. They're, they're yep. earning, might I say, they're earning several hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what they do with that money. They, uh, who knows. But... I get a call from this guy, and it's a funeral. It was going to be around about 11 a.m. He calls me in the morning, and he says, Oh, my car's broken down. Can you come and give us a lift? Months before I had been traumatized, as everyone knows, he was was sitting in the front of our hearse, four abreast, being crushed while I was giving him that, the crash course in the, uh, the rite of the Catholic Mass. Yes. Whilst explaining to him about the the Virgin Mary's um, head mm-hmm. coming off. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I kind of hoped, because I copped a little bit of flack from the family, which I didn't mention um, afterwards, because people, and rightfully so, had sussed it out and thought that it was a bit of a uh, 
uh, bit of a it was farcical to a degree. Yeah. Even though we got the job done in the end, but for me to then get a call from this guy saying, "Could I pick him up?" I mean, that's just ridiculous. But yeah, I went down to uh, he was in Harbord, a sunny suburb. It's ridiculous me saying sunny, of course. How much does a uh, does a small wooden shack sitting on a on a creepy hill go for in Harbord these days? Millions, of course. Absolutely yeah. frightening amount of money. So I picked him up, and he was uh, wearing his white vestments. In fact, I'm, when I think of him now, I can only see the face of Mr. Bean, which is quite distressing for me. Mission, mission accomplished. Hmm. He always arrived at um, at services by uh, there'd be a single spotlight would appear, and then he'd just fall from hmm. the heavens hmm. on his face. Yeah, and then and he owned a mini. Now this guy, I even remember his car, which he wasn't, which had broken down. It was a white Ford, small car, pretty sad. Yeah. Probably had ball tires. Um, so. There was an awkwardness, palpable awkwardness. Uh, I just did not want to engage with him at all because okay. I was still recovering. It was a little bit like a minor case of PTSD where I it had taken me months to get over the fuck up funeral yeah. from before. Oh, so this is all, about this is what two three months after yeah, the a few, a few months, yeah, not okay. long enough for the wound to heal. Yeah, yeah. the wound was now open and. Gaping. Uh, and uh, and then I had to do this drive, which took about, it's a good 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah, okay. And he, he genuinely felt uncomfortable. And he was a very reserved, quiet person mm-hmm. to begin with. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he's sitting in an, an environment which was probably quite uncomfortable. But I, 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 have, I do have great compassion for my fellow human beings but look it was a pretty important funeral we were going to do now we arrived he then just went off and i don't know stood under a tree and you know prepared himself and in the deep recesses of his mind i'm quite convinced that he felt this was a moment in his life where he had an opportunity to make good after the fuck up of the last after the dreadful situation yeah so now this was a very very big funeral so we the hearse pulls up out the front uh before the family arrived there there were people milling around but there are four chapels in the northern suburbs crematorium and we were using on that day the northern chapel which is for the biggest events on the day and we got the coffin into the chapel yep and then what you do is now listeners please don't write in and say, oh, that's not what happens now, because that's a given. It has changed dramatically. So what we're doing is taking you back to a time uh, 30 years ago. So just bear with me. Now, what happens is the coffin is placed on a uh, mechanical track. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Wind back a little bit. So you're at the funeral. Uh, is this before or after the service? Okay, this is, this is way, way, way before anyone even comes into the chapel. Right, so you, you're in the chapel and you've got a body in a coffin. Mm, and, and, we, and, and we set it up. And Now, just to be clear, um, what is it being set up for? Okay, it's being set up for... At the end of the service, yep. at a particular point in the future, yep. there will be a time where I, 
mm-hmm. being the conductor, and I alone mm-hmm. will commit the body. Now, when you say commit the body, what do you mean? Okay, well, there are a number of mechanical electrical processes mm-hmm. that take place, whereby when there are a series of curtains, there were from memory three different types of curtain. There was a sheer curtain like a mosquito net. Yeah. Then there was a translucent curtain where you could get a sense that light could still pass through it. But then there was the really, really thick, dark, heavy drape where nothing would come through. Now, and, I don't know and, what's happening behind these curtains, by the way. Are, are we? I mean, when you say commit the body, okay. typically speaking, because what I picture is the body is being lowered into the ground. No, no, but, no. That's great, Paul. That's really, really good. Uh, now, I'll, t- I'll talk you through it. Okay. Um, I'm just going to get it. I've got to collect all my thoughts because basically I'm sitting here going back 30 years. Yeah. And I... You know, that I've got a very good memory, but I want to get some sort of continuity with the story. So imagine all the people are in the church, but they're not there at the moment. But there's a lectern where the minister will stand. Yeah. And he has very strict instructions about what he can and can't do. And then at the very end of the service, in theory, once everyone's gone, everyone's left. The coffin is still in situ if that's a request. There are many, many requests that families make. Some families... Look, I'll just explain that. From the lectern, I, or the conductor, has the... the there are, There's a fairly complex panel of buttons. Yep. And if you can imagine the red button is the one that, for example, will start off a nuclear Armageddon. That's the, the most important button. That is the button that yeah. when that is pressed down, mm-hmm. a massive, I reckon 12-inch thick bronze door lifts up behind the coffin. Oh, hang on. I Okay, so it sounds like the chapel is about to eat a body, but actually... I'm guessing what you're about to say. There's, there's a scene in um, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, which I don't think is a particularly good film, but they end up in this like church underground. You know the one with yep. and Charlton Heston's down there, and they've got a nuke hooked up. But there's actually on the lectern, there's all these buttons. Now I'm mm. assuming you've been putting off talking about um, about cremations for a while, but am I correct in assuming that the body is about to be burnt in the chapel? Mm-hmm. Uh, you are incorrect. So <laughs> sorry. No, but that 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 does happen. But I need to explain. Okay. The family have a number of options. A lot of families. It's like you mentioned. I think it was last week about this phenomena where a rumor or an untruth becomes factual. The Mandela effect. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now, one of the greatest examples of that, mm-hmm. and it used to travel the world was that people, and I still meet people to this very day, that reckon that they saw when the big bronze door opened and the the coffin is then... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It sort of exits, you know, backwards. Yeah. I have, I have heard many, many people over the years saying that they actually saw the flames. That is absolute bullshit. So, they rem- so people uh, remember retroactively. Correct. So many people through a worldwide group sort of psychosis actually believed that they saw coffins going and then the flames. But when I explain to the listeners in some detail the actual facts behind what happens, and they are still quite fascinating, Mm -hmm. right? So it was my job at a certain point. Now, the families had many, many options, they could opt for the gossamer curtain to come across so you could still clearly see the loved one and they'd all just leave. Sometimes they might like this slightly thicker, but still you could still kind of see, get like a shroud, getting an image of what was happening. And sometimes people would actually ask for um, no curtains and actually watch the body being committed. Now to do that, whilst everyone was still in the chapel... Yeah. was not the most common thing. But some people wanted that closure, okay? But no matter what the procedures were, some people just wanted the, the heavy drape drawn and that was, then they'd all leave and no one ever... They just saw a curtain closing on a coffin Yeah, and that's the last they saw. Okay. But then what happens, the mystery, is that no matter whether people were in the chapel, it was happening during, at the end... Once everyone had gone, it doesn't matter. What really happened was that at a certain point in time, this almighty bronze door would lift up and then in a sort of a fairly poetic, um, smooth motion, the coffin would then feet first, start heading out the back, which is really into the middle of the where the four chapels are. Mm -hmm. And then when the door would close, these two guys, one either side, would then manhandle the coffin onto a gurney with wheels and the first thing they would do, that beautiful flower casket, the cover, worth up to whatever, that would go in a big bin straight up. They would then use some tool and they would take off the name plaque that had been on the coffin. That would be put aside. They would then wheel the 
coffin with body inside, family of, they're probably in their cars, they're, they're heading home, they're chatting out in the beautiful rose garden. And do you want me to talk about that particular thing that happens um, or should we save that for another story for the, for the mechanics of cremation or should we go back into the this story? That's a good question. So, Paul, um, back in the chapel, the body's set up, okay? All the people are outside and I've had a discussion with the minister. Now, this minister was, uh, I'm not going to say he was incompetent, but he was, he was just, I, I, I that's why the analogy with Mr. Bean is so apt. He's okay, so he's he's well-meaning, but he's inept and a bit Correct. rubbery. That's a really okay. lovely way of putting it. Well-meaning, um, heart of gold, perhaps maybe not gold, maybe copper or aluminium or some lesser. <laughs> okay, not gold. Now he is conducting the service. I mean, I'm the conductor, but he's going to do the re- religious side of things. So he's there in his little white vestments. And he's standing at the podium. Now, out of sight of all the people that come in uh, is this sort of bank of controls that do various things. What they do is they adjust the curtains. Yeah. And But he knows he's not to touch the red button under any circumstances. <clears throat> so what happens is at a certain given point, because it's very precise time-wise, let's say yeah. 11 a.m. on the dot, I'm outside, out the front with the hearse and the body is set up on this sort of you know, mechanical sort of set up at the, at the, at the head of the church mm-hmm. uh, n- near him. Now, I've set everything up so that all the curtains, everything's just absolutely perfect. And I begin to lead the family. And I'm leading, leading the, um, and it's kind of a seniority thing where the, the closest relatives are with me. And we're all walking in really, really slowly. Yeah. There's no one in the chapel. We are about to fill the chapel with several hundred people and it was so big a funeral that there were there was a massive overflow so there were a lot of people on that day that could not get into the chapel okay so as we enter the front of the chapel and it's a very it's a reverent time and everything's going really well and i looked over at this minister and he nervously looked at me and i had instructed him in minute detail almost as though i knew that something (laughs) diabolical was going to happen yeah and if you were to do a movie Uh on the worst possible thing that could happen at a funeral the worst possible thing was about to happen so as we are leading the entire procession bearing in mind that i had tails and i looked like a complete idiot and that's just my take on things And um, he looked at me and I looked at him and I could see that he was fidgeting with something behind the lectern. And my heart sank and I thought, please, please. And he started to adjust one of the curtains because they're all electronically controlled. He felt that from where he was standing, Mm -hmm. he wanted to see more, get a better view. So what he was trying to do was move some of the curtains electronically outwards. And unfortunately, he, uh, he hit the big red button. Now, as he hit the red button, at first he didn't know he'd hit the red button. And then I must have had laser beams coming out of my eyes into his heart. And he started to look terrible. He looked pallid. He looked sick. 
And then he he turned to the right and he began to realize, but you can't stop the process. So it's hang on. one what, button. But what's okay, so once he presses the red button, what is actually physically happening? Okay, I'll tell you exactly what happens. Okay. Firstly, the massive bronze, yep. six to twelve inch thick solid door <laughs> begins to go up. Is it noisy? No, it's whisper quiet. But it's still happening within view of all the people, right? Well, the first group of people that I was with, they must have thought this is weird. But one of the side effects, one of the lesser known things about these chapels, particularly the Northern Chapel, is that what happens is when you... It's like... um, I'll tell you exactly what it's like. It's like... Travelling at 100 kilometres an hour inside a car with all the windows up. You are unaware, aren't you? Yeah. It's not windy. You can... There's just no wind. Okay. But what happened was when... Because the wind is wanting to come in through the front door, it has nowhere to go. So at a certain point, the pressure inside the chapel is the same as the pressure outside the chapel. So there's no wind until you open up this... This vent, if you like. It's like an airlock. Well, what happens is it starts to draw the air. And it's only got one place to draw the air from. Uh That's the front, which is where we're all standing. And then I noticed the tails on my coat started to actually overtake me. My tails, like they were racing ahead of me. And I began to get this sense of momentum where I literally had to kind of slow myself down because it... It was as though we were all going to like a, a fast walk and then almost a march and a run. And everyone's watching and I'm watching. and I'm So I'm, I'm sort of sp- concentrating on the vanishing coffin because as soon as the door is at maximum height, uh-huh. it automatically engages another mechanism which then takes the coffin out the back. And then once it's completely through the bronze door... And we've still got this almighty wind literally sucking patrons into the chapel. What happens then is that the door slowly begins to close. And then once it has completely closed, all our clothing and my tails, everything just calms down. And there's no more wind. And there's no more coffin. So what had happened is that we'd actually completed the entire funeral service. Yeah prior to it, people even sitting down. Great. So by the time the family had got to the front, the coffin had gone. Not a good look, particularly when you consider they'd already had a glimpse of it. And then one minute it's there and then the next minute it's gone. Yeah. The entire process to from woe to go would have been perhaps one minute, 60 seconds. Where does it go? It's all gone. Where does so, the coffin go? But fortunately, I know what happens behind the scenes. So I sit everyone down. Everyone is led into the northern chapel of the northern suburbs crematorium. Uh, the body's gone. The minister, uh, he was he couldn't speak. He was a gibbering wreck, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And uh, I then had to exit stage left. I then very calmly walked until I was out of sight. I then sprinted. I ran down to the main private section of the crematorium. I ran inside... And the two guys had already taken the casket cover off and thrown it in the bin. So 
<clears throat> that was bad. We then I explained to them what had happened, and I said, "Look, we need to do what's called a recommittal. I don't know whether it had ever been done before, mm-hmm. um, but that's what we needed to do." So, and I couldn't get everyone out of the chapel. So everything that was going to happen was going to happen, uh, unless I thought really quickly in pretty well full view. Plus, I had the problem of the damaged flowers, and that that also taken off the name uh, plaque because the time by the time they'd received the uh, the body, it's not their job to go well hang on a sec like you know they're just they're just guys working in an environment and their their instructions are that once the body comes through they go into their professional mode we are very fortunate might i add that they weren't over overly zealous so what you're saying is right so you managed to stop it being cremated i stopped the actual coffin from being from going into one of the uh, the swedish made fan forced gas ovens that operated around about 817 degrees celsius mm-hmm. and i'll tell you what can you imagine i'd have been I, I you know what i would have done i would have got in a car not necessarily mine i would have got into any car and i would have i would have gone somewhere and and just not worked in the funeral business again i couldn't i just couldn't i couldn't believe what was happening and i what? was really 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 stressed because I had to get these flowers. We had to kind of do like a crash course. I had to do a crash course in flower arranging because you reach down into this huge cardboard bin that's the size of a, back then it was the size of like a, it was bigger than a bed in terms of dimensions and it was deep, but there were multiple casket covers. Do you know what? I don't even know. I'm sort of hypothesizing, but it's possible that we could have even got the wrong casket cover. Back, which would have even looked, been more bizarre. To, but to when those you say, that... but, okay, so once the once the coffin has disappeared into the moor, mm. um, and you've run back and kind of cobbled it back together, what are you doing? Are you sending the you know rejigged coffin back out to the crowd yeah. who are kind of yep. wondering where you've gone? We reconstructed, put the flowers back on, yep. and then they did this reverse um, thing. But what? But we had to time it. So what we did, I said to them, look. Wait 60 seconds yep. because what I needed to do, I didn't want the family who were probably fairly traumatized. The, the minister was incapable of speech. Yeah, I'm surprised he was still standing. Uh. And um, I then had to get around, get back inside. Uh, so I sort of run quickly, then do a, a very controlled walk as though I was in control and knew exactly what was happening. Yeah. And then what I went over to the console. I then got the thick curtains and closed them completely. I counted. And then at a certain point in time, because you can't hear anything, it's whisper quiet. It's wonderful technology. And then at a certain point, I then opened the heavy curtains and Bob's your uncle. There was the coffin. Now, it had did, been anyone notice, did anyone notice that you'd pulled the switcheroo? Um, look, look, someone would have to have known that this was quite an unusual situation. Yeah, okay. Um, it would have even been odder if I couldn't have closed the heavy curtain, if that had have remained open, and then they would have watched. Because the slight, slight problem from memory is that when you have a... Uh, like a committal of the coffin, you'd always have at least one set of curtains in front of the coffin because you didn't want the family to actually see because there's a chance that you could actually see two sets of arms behind these doors kind of manhandling the coffin onto a gurney. And I think that would be rather 
unceremonious. Yeah, of course. So it was all done fairly discreetly. Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, look, obviously that's a pretty big fuck up. I think what I would like to do, Dad, is potentially at some point, um, at some point later this week, maybe during loose ends, we can have a bit of a sit down and talk about cremation because we haven't really been into the actual process. I mean, you've just talked about how a body almost got, you know, almost got burned by accident because a priest who looks a bit like Mr. Bean, you know, whacked a red button and then, you know, the church almost ate him. It sounds like the job was extremely stressful. Uh, it sounds like he did a very, very good job sort of, you know, pulling things back from the brink there. Um, but I think next week we'll look at cremation and obviously this week on Loose Ends, we have heaps and heaps and heaps of stuff to talk about. Dad, we wanted to give a really big uh, shout out and a big thank you to Michelle Laurie for uh, once again if you haven't already listened to her episodes of the Nitty Gritty Committee and Australian True Crime uh, she did an Electric Blue episode on each one so if you're a Michelle Laurie fan and if you love those amazing shows head across and you can hear me and dad talking about Electric Blue and also thank you so much to the Herald Sun for giving the book a glowing review it was an absolutely lovely review and it's it's my first review of anything I've ever written in a major national newspaper so I was inconsolable when it ended up as positive as it did so um, thank you so much to the Herald Sun and thank you to everyone who's read the book it's going really really well on the charts so if you haven't already grabbed one or if you you know forgot it was your dad's um, if you forgot it was Father's Day feel free to head along to Booktopia or go to your local bookshop and grab a copy of Electric Blue or grab the audiobook or whatever you want. Make sure you leave us a rating and review on iTunes and we will see you later this week for Loose Ends. Bye, everyone. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.